What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me, as always, your other host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my pal, my friend, my guy. How you doing on this fine, fine Tuesday evening? Doing pretty well. Uh, recovering from taking everybody out for Halloween. Obviously, very exciting. Uh, very exciting action. Um, we had a spooky house, you know, we had our smoke machine going and our big scary spider webs and everything. And, uh, I always think that I've accomplished my job if kids coming up the driveway are kind of hesitant. Uh, I like that. <laughs> you do strike me as like a dad who would have a very scary house. Is that like a, you would go all in on Halloween is what I mean. Not that you would, ha- would. <laughs> I see <laughs> my house every day is pretty close to haunted. I mean, I see a, a window into your house i can't imagine the upstairs is much uh like freakier it's too, than the downstairs. It's too new to be that creepy but yeah you know i i'm a, i'm a halloween enthusiast okay. uh i used to run around with my pals like with blood capsules in my mouth and like get hit by an axe and lie on the sidewalk and like spit blood on things and <laughs> that was really fun so i'm looking forward to when i can like when the kids are old enough to take themselves and i can sit on the uh sit on the porch like in a costume where it looks like i'm a mannequin or like a stuffed you know, like a scarecrow or whatever, and then like grab people's hands when they reach into the bowl in my lap. That's like, that's the dream. Never before have I been so unsurprised by someone describing (laughs) how creepy they are to me. Uh, Lewis, let me talk about something that's scary to me following this past, uh, this past weekend and, and Halloween, which was, I guess, last night, which is how close People were getting to dropping Tage Thompson right before he went off for nine points in the last two games. The last time we spoke, Lewis, last Thursday evening, Tage was underperforming, and our Twitch uh, producer, John Reed, was asking us about a trade offer he received for Andre Burakovsky in exchange for his Thompson. Uh, and now, five days later, Thompson is pacing for 109 points on the season with 12 points through his first 10 games. Uh, does this more or less return Tage to what you expected preseason? Like, obviously not that you, that we, anyone expected him to be a hundred point player, but I mean, I guess I'm just thinking in general, yeah, this is still a top line player who should be rostered in all fantasy leagues. And if you gave up too soon, I, I think I feel very sorry for you. That's, that's my take at least. Yeah. You know, he was in a good spot. He, um, you know, obviously last year would perform very nicely. I, 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 you know, agree with urging patience with him or, or with having urged patience for him. Obviously, you don't need to be patient any longer. That was a hell of a regression to the mean. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's skilled. Buffalo is like pretty good. They're putting together a lot of shots. I think three straight games of 45 shots. That's outstanding. Um, Davey B suggested Kyle Ocposo as one of his streamers, uh, maybe a ludicrous streamer up on that top line performing. Uh, so just, yeah, really nice, uh, really nice to see. Uh, Buffalo get back to it. Of course, I lost my patience with Skinner and traded him more or less one up for uh, Kalen Addison. I don't feel terrible about that move because I needed a defenseman. But um, of course, he would he would go off right after the trade. He he did score a goal for me while the trade was still pending. So there's that at least. If only you had a podcast co-host or a friend who could have warned you not to uh, take that deal. But hey, we can't all uh, we can no regrets, right? That's that's what fantasy hockey is all about: is not regretting a single thing that happens. Uh, Lewis, 
uh, I just want to talk about Tage because, you know, we're talking about Halloween, but now I guess it's supposed to, it's time to get into the regular segment of our show, uh, get into the news of the week. Uh, thank you to everyone who's joined us on twitch.tv slash Keeping Carlson, and thank you to everyone who's listening at home. Uh, Lewis, I'm going to hand it over to you for our first topic this week. Yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, we have a slew of injuries that we've got to talk about. So let's just hold our noses and dive right in. Uh, we're going to start in Dallas, uh, where Jake... Ottinger is out for at least a week with some kind of lower body injury. Um, the question then is, how do we feel about Wedgwood as an option? Uh, you know, I think that he is a starter with a shot to win his games. Uh, but, you know, he's he's nothing special in my opinion. Uh, he's allowed three or four goals each game. He did get a quality start against Toronto, who put 46 shots on him and got three goals. He had a really bad start versus the Rangers, four goals against on 21 shots. You know, L.A., Arizona, Edmonton this week, that's not a cakewalk, but certainly there will be volume to be had. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think I see him as someone who is, you know, as appealing as kind of your average goalie with maybe a 55 percent chance to win the game because Dallas is pretty skilled up front. Uh, and those matchups don't look especially, uh, you know, they're not hugely intimidating, but they're not, you know, they're not super easy either. So <laughs> this is kind of a mat assessment. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you've got a player who's kind of average and you got to talk about them as such. I would maybe even suggest that Scott Wedgwood is below average. I think he might be bad, uh, but if he can come in and, and sort of turn his season around and maybe, uh, you know, look good with the starter workload, like maybe he's one of those goalies who just needs to step into the rhythm and and that'll help. I don't know. But yeah, I'm not I don't have high expectations for uh, for the wedge. Yeah, Let's, I guess I should say I could be more clear and say like a like a average sort of like replacement guy that you can add off the off the waiver wire, like for for the folks who are available for spot starts. Let's get into another injury as we have so, so many to talk about today. And that is over in Chicago, where power play one and number one defenseman Seth Jones has four points through eight games this season and is now out three to four weeks, about a month or so with a thumb injury. And while the Hawks haven't been amazing, this does create a new opportunity on that top power play. And I guess, you know, if I wanted to rank the most surprising tidbits of this segment so far, I'd say the most surprising thing about Chicago right now is that they have a defenseman who has been kind of good defensively lately. And uh, with this Seth Jones injury, he's now practicing on the top power play. And that's uh, Caleb Jones, who has four points in his last four games without getting any top power play exposure. With Seth Jones out, it would seem that he will get a new opportunity and uh, not a bad option as somebody who, you know, doesn't shoot a lot, but he does hit and block fairly regularly. I'd say a couple of blocks and a couple hits per game. Not a bad pickup in bangers leagues and just 1% rostered. So I I know that it's um it's a tough week for streaming. So many teams playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. But if you're a, in a league where you maybe don't have enough defensemen or you're, you know, you you sort of over-index on forwards and you're you don't have any space for your usual uh, forward streamer, you could do worth worse than Caleb Jones right now. Yeah, you know, I think you're talking about his banger stats, and obviously if he's getting an expanded role, anytime that happens with somebody who's got decent rates for hits and blocks, you're excited to see uh, more opportunity there. So I, I like that. Um, you know, uh, Chicago just overall has surprised me. I guess I don't want to be too quick to discount them because I have been pretty, uh, you know, 
uh, pretty dismissive of their offensive abilities. And you've got guys like, uh, like Jonathan Taves who are outscoring, you know, some of those top guys right now who are kind of scuffling. So, um, you know, Jones, I'm not saying that Jones is going to come in and, and put up, uh, Tavesian numbers. Uh, but, you know, yeah, definitely an interesting option. Good for bangers, as you said. Uh, getting an opportunity in a slot that is not easy to stream this week. So, yeah, I, I, I like him certainly more than Wedgwood. Not that they're easy to compare. It's kind of apples to oranges. Let's jump over to another set of defensemen who have been very much in the news. A lot of people talking about the defense in Anaheim. Uh, and especially now with Jamie Drysdale out four to six months with a torn labrum. Uh, obviously not a great situation for him. Um that raises those Klingberg questions again. What impact does this have on him? Will this help him get his season back on track? You know, I, I sort of feel like if you were interested in Klingberg's upside before, you should still be interested. And if you were nervous about his downside, you should remain nervous. You know, Drysdale wasn't getting a ton of power play time. Uh, his extended absence likely means a little more time on ice for Klingberg to get some peripherals. And, you know, since he is not scoring at a great pace every minute, you know, might give him another chance at, at putting up a point potentially. But there are some real red flags about Klingberg. His shot rate has fallen to 1.45 shots per 60. Uh, that's about a third of his average over the past five years. Obviously, we're operating with a pretty small sample size, but, you know, it definitely seems like things have changed for him. He is not somebody who is uh, being relied on for shots on that uh, uh, at even strength, certainly. Um I just, I just don't see Drysdale's absence changing a whole lot for him other than maybe taking away a potential threat, uh, to take over some power play time if, uh, Drysdale sort of, you know, showed some acumen there and, and, and made a push for that slot. Yeah. I, I said it last week and I'll say it again this week. John Klingberg is a drop. Uh, and it's, yeah, not particularly interesting to me. I guess at least with Drysdale out, there, becomes an opportunity that if the if and I mean at some point the ducks have to be hot at some point this season right like it, just like law of averages means that there'll be like a week or two where they run hot and maybe at that point Besides. it'll be worth going with uh with Johnny K but yeah not not getting my hopes up that's for sure besides when they're furiously coming back against Toronto Yes. Well, yeah. Well, exactly. They'll have at least one other game against Toronto to to crush the opponents to uh, stream in Johnny Klingberg for that once he's been dropped in every league. Uh, another injury to get to because, hey, we're a month into the fantasy hockey season. It might just be injuries from here on out. Uh, on Monday, the Capitals announced that TJ Oshie would be out indefinitely with an LBI. Uh, and then today it was announced Connor Brown would also be out, but for six to eight months with a torn ACL. He went on, underwent surgery today. If you don't have many IR spots, I would say that Brown and Oshi are probably both drops. Uh, Oshi is a name, at least, that stands out a little bit more, but he just really hasn't been anything to write home about. Um, it's interesting to sort of look for streamers on this Capitals team because I feel like a few players continue to go underlooked. Uh, there's and there's a lot of opportunity up front. Connor Sherry and Dylan Strom have both looked all right with uh, with seven points apiece through the first ten games. But as I I wrote that this afternoon, and Dylan Strom of course has two points already in tonight's game against Vegas. So he now has not 
nine points through 11 games, looking like a fair, I guess, an above a 60 point pace guy through the first eighth of the season, uh, playing on line one with Ovi, but also getting power play one time as well, had a primary power play assist tonight, only 23% rostered still. Uh, Sherry is 7% rostered, and certainly I would prefer Strom if he's available in your league. Uh, the other name worth mentioning is Marcus Johansson, who also is up on the top power play. And I thought maybe temporarily, but with this Oshi injury, that might be something that lasts until we see Tom Wilson come back uh, in the new year. So Marcus Johansson also hasn't done a ton, but he did score that power play goal earlier, has six points through 11 games. Um, You know, I'd say that Sherry and Johansson are both deep level streams, but Dylan Strom continues to look like an interesting option in, in Washington. Lewis, we have another injury to get to, and we've got a couple of streaks to talk about. But first, we've got to go to commercial break. We will see you all in just a few minutes. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, my friend, I know you've got one more injury to talk to me about. Why don't you uh, let us know who, who it is? Yeah, well, an outtree, really, because uh, on Monday, uh, the Golden Knights uh, put Brassois in the AHL on a con- Conditioning stint as he uh, nears return from off-season hip surgery. Uh, Cassidy didn't rule out the possibility of carrying three goalies on the game day roster, although it would require putting uh, one of three depth skaters on waivers, and there was some concern that they might get snapped up. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But obviously, you know, the big the big thing here is that we've seen Thompson and Aiden Hill play so well. Um, you know, Coach Cassidy did go on to explain that. Brassois had the most experience among his goalies, but we should remember that experience is a mixed bag. He got about 50% of the available points last season in 22 games, uh, put together an 895 save percentage with 41% quality starts. Uh, and over those 22 games had a negative 7.32 goals saved above average. So uh, performing under what an average goalie would have been able to do in that situation I don't know, man. I, I kind of feel like this is an eight, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of situation. Uh, Vegas has the second best record in the NHL behind Boston. Uh, Thompson and Hill are both allowing fewer than two goals per game and both have great quality start numbers. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm not the Vegas coaches. Maybe they feel like their young goalies are overperforming. They want to have a steady hand of a more veteran player. Um, you know, and maybe they, they aren't going to be willing to risk the, um, aren't going to be willing to risk putting a player on waivers uh, to carry a three-headed goalie monster here. I I hope at least they're going to give Hill and Thompson enough leash to maybe make some errors before getting relegated to the bench or heading down to the AHL. Uh, You know, it just has been such a great surprise to see both of them perform so nicely. Uh, I would would want to continue to give them that opportunity until they start to struggle. But I understand the, the, you know, uh, arcane vagaries of, you know, keeping your, your roster together. So, you know, that's, that's out of my domain. So uh, we'll see what happens, but it's something definitely to keep an eye on and we'll try to keep you informed. We don't know what's going to happen yet, but um, you know, certainly an area of intrigue to keep an eye on. And I feel like it's worth mentioning here that the reason why they would have to carry three goalies is because Thompson and Brassois, or sorry, Thompson, Brassois and Aiden Hill are all waiver eligible they can't be sent down and called back up directly is that right i believe that is the case yes so uh interesting to consider the conundrum i guess i honestly i see people talk about this i guess if you own 
or yeah, I guess if you have Thompson, then you're worried about what else could impact his uh, his workload, considering how good he's been and yet how much he's kind of sharing the crease in a 1A, 1B situation. Um, but ultimately, I don't really see why Vegas would do anything with Lo- Laurent Brossois. Like, might as well just send him down. And if somebody else wants to pick him up, that just clears a contract off your So be it, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't see it as too much to get hype about, I guess. Yeah, I, you know, I agree, but you never know how these decisions ultimately get made. There's a lot of people who are who are going to be participating in these. So, uh, yeah, just something to, to keep an eye on and see how it moves forward. Um, you know, they could try and sell high on one of these young goalies uh, in a trade, although uh, yeah, it's tough to see. There's that's, such a bargain. That's the least likely scenario, I think. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, just, you know, putting all everything on the table there. All right, Lewis, let's get into the streak section of the show. And I believe you're going to kick us off this week. Yeah, this is a pretty minor streak, but it is kind of interesting. I'm kind of intrigued by Owen Tippett. I was tweeting about this late night on Halloween. Um, you know, he was a major part of the deal that sent Claude Giroux to Florida last year, and he only played four minutes and 20 seconds before getting injured on October 13th. Uh, he's back now, and in the two games since his return, not counting Tuesday night's game against the Rangers, uh, he's averaged 19 minutes a night, and he has a power play goal and an assist three shots per game and is playing a minimum of 60% of available power play time on ice. Uh, He's got second line deployment with Noah Cates and Scott Lawton, which isn't especially inspiring. Um, But, you know, there are a lot of teams out there who maybe were carrying uh, Brassard, who uh, had 13 minutes and is now uh, scratched. Uh, Danton Heinen, who got dropped to line three and played under 10 minutes last game. Mason McTavish, who's on a four-game pointless streak, only has five uh, shots in that time, has 11 minutes in two of those games. Uh, I might look at a power play one Owen Tippett playing big minutes and, you know, on on a very small but interesting streak. I uh, I don't mind that either if you're in a wildly deep league. Um, certainly, we talked about like a Dylan Strom earlier, who's 23% rostered, which is still a very low threshold. I would much prefer Dylan Strom as a streamer. No question. Um, but yeah, if you're in a league where there's no uh, line one power play one options and you're really just looking for guys who get minutes and get offensive opportunity, then Owen Tippett is kind of interesting and... Kind of to uh, something that Elon discussed the other day uh, as like, I guess he mentioned it as something that's like kind of an obvious thing, but maybe something that goes under discussed, which is that we are so you like we our heads are so deep in this game that sometimes I think we forget that like younger players are not always are still works in progress. There's still progress that can be made. And Owen Tippett, despite having jumped all over the place and gone, you know, turned into, I would say like has not met his draft expectation, especially that of his post-draft season. When, when people started to look at him as one of the better prospects, at least in some circles, uh, one of the better prospects outside of the NHL. Uh, I don't think that anyone sees him as somebody who is likely to be a superstar, but if he, if he impresses, enough for long enough like is there a reason why Tortorella wouldn't consider him for a longer look on a offensive role so yeah I'm not I'm not against Owen Tippett for for that reason you know just to see what he's made of while he's hot and and while he's starting off in the league or not the league but in in Florida in Philadelphia sorry 
for sure. And, and, you know, I think that, uh, they would be happy. Philly would be to, to be able to show off a piece that they got in that Giroux deal. Uh, if, if, you know, he can prove himself worthy of the spot. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to jump into a much more prominent, uh, hot streak here. And it's somebody who's rostered in, I think 67% of Yahoo leagues. And that is Brandon Montour, somebody who, you know, we kind of touched on briefly last week when we talked about Ekblad returning in the next few weeks. And you, you mentioned Gustav Forsling as maybe a trade target. And then on this past Sunday's mega show, Keeping Carlson, Elon and Brian talked about the Panthers and mentioned Brandon Montour very briefly uh, as somebody who may not have a long term, a long shelf life of fantasy viability uh, as Ekblad looks to be targeting a return on November 12th. So just two weeks away. Um, But I thought that I, I don't know. I guess I'm just not assuming that Montour is a drop when Ekblad comes back just based on how good he's been. So in the past five games since returning from his own injury, Brandon Montour has seven points and he's been playing 26 minutes a night. And I think it's worth keeping in mind that the Panthers came out the gate with this three forward, two defenseman power play look that included Montour. And I don't really see a reason why when Ekblad returns, they don't at least give it a chance, especially given how strong Montour has been over the past few games. So of course, you know, with all the usual caveats, his shooting rate is unsustainable or his, his uh, goal rate is unsustainable. IPP is is too high. These types of things are definitely true. But if we're talking about a team that has a very strong offense and their expected goal rates continue to be very good in Florida, despite the fact that they seem to have some growing pains without Jonathan Huberto, I think that Montour's time on ice uh, the amount that he's been shooting the puck and his deployment mean he's worth a hold even after Ekblad returns. I guess the one thing that I will say is like, if you can find a sell high for Montour, somebody who sees him as a power play one, if you feel like ripping off a noob in your home league, maybe that would be a, a nice opportunity to, to pick up some, to pick up some value. But I feel like in most leagues, because of the Ekblad return looming, it feels like Montour's value is artificially low. So I guess I would rather either hold Montour or maybe even reach out to the uh, the team with Brandon Montour on it and see if they're freaking out about Ekblad coming back and see if you can get him for, I, I mean, it's probably unlikely, but if you could get him for a waiver wire adjacent or, or just above defenseman, I feel like Montour is a really interesting bet. Uh, in a season-long format. Yeah, you make a really good point. I think too often we kind of reflexively drop the guy who we think is going to be replaced by an outchery and just say, okay, you know, that was fun, but the time is done. Um, And, you know, we've seen secondary defensemen be successful in Florida. Uh, So, yeah, I think think the idea of at least giving him a trial run uh, after Ekblad's return is a good idea. Um, I agree with you. I think it might be tough to uh, get value for trading for him just because he has been quite successful. You'd have to find someone who, you know, was sort of having that that paradoxical view where like he's doing really well, but he's going to get replaced. So sell him for anything. Um, so, you know, that, that might be tough, but I, I like the idea for sure. Give it a try. You know, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. I think Michael Scott said that. All right. Jumping down to our last hot streak. Uh, I wanted to mention Justin Falk down in St. Louis. Uh, He's had five assists in the last four games, along with 16 shots and five hits and five blocks. 
Uh, Tori Krug did leave the last game, but he was skating today. He's marked as day today. I don't imagine it would have a huge change in his uh, in uh, Falk's deployment, uh, just because they've pretty much been splitting power play time. Um, but Falk definitely is the D to own in St. Louis right now. He's kind of delivering on some of the promise that we all had for him back when he was manning the blue line in Carolina. We love to see him shoot, and I love to see those. Uh, averaging four shots a game over the last four games. That's really exciting. Uh, You know, uh, just nice to see some success there. I don't imagine things are going to change hugely for him. I don't see him being, you know, uh, a 60-point guy or anything like that. Uh, But, you know, uh, St. Louis has some skill on the power play, and who knows, maybe uh, some of this we were talking earlier, maybe some of the struggles that St. Louis has had lately might lead to um, some changes in the way that they are deploying their offense, and maybe we even get a true number one power play. Uh, And if Falk is, you know, manning the line there, that could be really nice for him. Yeah, you know who this kind of reminds me of from last year is Jacob Truba. Um, somebody who I think I think the hope would be that Falk could put up a little bit more offense and and Truba certainly uh, was a little bit more or is a little bit more dependable in some of the banger categories. But in terms of just like giving you decent depth and a chance to put up offensive numbers, uh, yeah, I think that Justin Falk is somebody who's really been paying off for people who he he always comes cheaply in drafts. Uh, and I think that he's been a, a pretty decent investment, even with uh, with Tory Krug seemingly healthy to continue the season. So that's it for tonight's show, Lewis. I had a wonderful time hanging out with you. Shouts out our boy John Reed on the digital ones and twos, bringing us to you on Twitch today, twitch.tv slash keeping Carlson once again, Thursday evening. Uh, for myself, Ben Burnett, signing out of here, Lewis, and everyone who's listening and watching. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you all soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for everyone who joined us on Twitch and anyone else who has downloaded and listened to the show. Uh, please be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at ShortShiftsKK. You can find Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson and Dave Betton of the Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Also really recommend you follow the Game Day Suite at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News. Or if you prefer, you can check out the Game Day Lines Tweets website, uh, which organizes everything for you really nicely. Uh, our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. As Ben mentioned, we've got uh, John Reed helping us out with our Twitch stream. And until we see you next time, folks, play smart and keep your shifts short.